If you have a Bible this morning, turn with me uh, to the book of Hebrews. Let's go to chapter 11. And we're going to look at verses 30 through 40. 11 verses as we uh, come full circle now uh, to the conclusion of this topic that we've looked at. Now, the heroes of faith. And we're looking this morning at part four. And so it's interesting here. We're going to begin concerning the walls of Jericho. And I think if you've been a Christian long enough, we've heard the study on the walls of Jericho. But you see, before we get into the, the teaching, each one of us go through our trials, our hardships, our pains, whatever it might be. And so there are Jericho walls in my life and in your life. And sometimes in the situation you're in, that wall might be higher than the wall next door. You see, we all go through trials. And we all go through this period of, of, in our life, we have to trust God, and we trust Him by faith. And again, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. And so we're going to look at those that overcame the obstacles in the Old Testament. And if you're a Christian this morning, you've come full circle, you've come to saving grace, and basically you're an overcomer. You overcame what brought you to Christ. Maybe you were going through a situation. And so God is faithful. And so we're going to look at random saints this morning by faith. Look at verses 30 and 31. They go together. By faith, the walls of Jericho, they fell down after they were encircled for seven days. By faith, the harlot Rahab, she presided there at Jericho. The harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spies with peace. And so she had that measure of faith. And this woman has to be applauded because uh, she could have been easily killed. But she trusted in God what she heard through the spies. And obviously, she had already heard about Jehovah God, the God of Israel. And it moved upon her heart. But notice as we begin here, this faith started with uh, Moses as Moses uh, handed down uh, the reins to Joshua. And Joshua took those reins. And he was placed in charge. And they began to take that position to cross into the land of milk and honey, that is. Now, understand the two spies. There were 12 that were sent out. But only these two uh, adhered to uh, the faith call. And then they were able to minister to Rahab. But what about the Israelites that march around Jericho? They have to be patient. They have to wait upon the Lord. The faith factor. It's part of our lives almost every day. Now, I want you to listen to this. In Joshua chapter 1, verse 30. God's covenant, first of all, was with Moses, and now it's going to be handed over to Joshua. And the Lord says to Joshua, Every place that the sole of your feet uh, will tread upon, I have given to you, as I said to Moses. So the promise by God to Joshua, and, and now to the people that are following Joshua, following him by faith. Look at the measure of faith that God has given us. Now, they're going to go through a whole situation here that is unreal. Talk about patience. You're going to see it this morning. But I want you to jot down this verse. It's a verse that is often quoted when you've been a Christian for a time. You don't understand what God's doing in your life. Lord, why am I going through this? And so in Isaiah chapter 55, in verse 8, listen to what the writer says. These are the words of God. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Nor are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. And so oftentimes we have to live uh, through this trial. And we live through this trial, listen, by faith. God is working in a way that I don't understand. His ways are not my ways and his thoughts are not my thoughts. You know, I figure it out sometimes. Lord, if I was you, this is what I would do in my life. I know you've done that because I do it. And yet do we trust God by faith, even as Joshua had to trust God? And what about this woman, Rahab the harlot? Her steps of faith. Now through the work done at Jericho, 
through God for Joshua and the people of Israel was to show them faith and their reliance upon faith. You see, God's plans, God's thoughts, God's ways are not always in line with mine. And this is where the Word of God strengthens my faith. Now, I want you to turn with me. We're going to go through it. Go to Joshua chapter 6. And just kind of wait there a little bit. Let me cover a few more verses here or statements. But when you get to Joshua chapter 6, we're going to read this. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down. And so here's the faith factor. Joshua sends out the 12 spies. Two spies return. And they say, it's like God said. It's the land of milk and honey. The other 10 spies, what did they see? And this is us so many times. They saw the walled cities. They saw the great armies. And they saw giants in the land. But by faith, they didn't see the blessings of God. God said, I'll be with you. And so our faith oftentimes is tested. Now, let me give you three aspects of faith real quick. Faith can be daring. They crossed into the promised land. There was no turning back. They have to trust God. Faith causes obedience. Joshua, the Israeli army, they march around Jericho. Seven days. And they're told not to say nothing. Talk about obedience. Now the next word is faith teaches us patience. I want you to write this down. In Psalm 27, verse 14, I love this psalm. The psalmist says, wait on the Lord, be of good courage. He shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Well, Lord, I'm waiting. Lord, nothing's happening. I want you to see the waiting on the Lord, the obedience on God. They're walking around Jericho. The first day is okay. The second day is okay. But now we're up to five and six and, and then finally seven days. Lord, what are you going to do? Do something. And so our faith is challenged. But the psalmist says, wait on the Lord. Now I want you to study these when you get home. Psalm 37, verse 9. Psalm 37, verse 24. Isaiah chapter 8, verse 17. And I love this one. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. All of these verses speak about having to wait upon God. And so here's Joshua and the children of Israel. What about Rahab, the harlot that's inside of Jericho? She's waiting patiently also, and her family's waiting patiently. And so God takes us through steps of faith. Now, another segment of faith, faith brings hope. Faith brings hope. They have to wait one, two, three, four, five, six. And then finally, the seventh day, the walls came down. That's faith. Because see, I want it now. That's just our nature. We're a quick fix, quick glue society. I don't like waiting upon God. I don't like waiting by faith. Lord, say it. You said it. Now do it, Lord. And the Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now, you should be at Joshua chapter 6. The destruction of Jericho by faith. It's a test now. Let's begin here just in verse 1. Now Jericho was tightly shut up because of the Israelites. In other words, they encircled it. They couldn't come in. They couldn't go out. No one went out and no one came in. Again, here's that Isaiah 55, 8. Joshua, my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. They haven't attacked. They haven't done nothing but to march around it. In verse 2, then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its king and its fighting men. And so here's the measure of faith. God's already told him, the victory is yours. As I was reading this passage here, how many times in prayer, God whispers to you, I'm going to take care of this, Bob. He shares with you personally. You're praying, you're asking, I'm going to take care of this. But again, that quick glue society, I want it now. But God's given you faith, and he's given you patience, and sometimes we have to wait. For this, they had to wait seven days. But notice in verse 2, I have delivered Jericho into your hands. Not only Jericho, but the king. And so in verse 3, march around the city, once with all the armed men, do this for six days. Have seven priests now, carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times. 
with the priest blowing the trumpet. Again, just come to that place of faith. Now, it starts out good. But I can guarantee you, by the time you get up to the fifth day, you're saying, when are we going to attack, Joshua? Enough of this going around. And what kind of shouts were coming and accusations were coming from Jericho? What are you guys doing? Why don't you attack us? Why don't you fight us like men? And they just keep going around. God told them to be quiet. So faith calls us to obedience. Seven times. Look at verse 5. When you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have all the people give us a loud shout. We don't know what that shout was. Then the wall of the city will collapse, and the people will go up, every man straight in. So Joshua, the son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, Take up the ark of the covenant of the Lord, and have seven priests carry the trumpets in front of it. I like this. You see, the Ark of the Covenant was the presence of God for the children of Israel in the Old Testament. And the Ark of the Covenant oftentimes went with them when it wasn't captured, because there was times that it was captured, but it went before them in the battles. Church, the Bible teaches us that God says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He's going to be there with you in the battle. And if you're like me, you're going through the trial, you're going through the hardship, you're going through the situation, the pain, whatever it might be. I don't have to go into detail. You know what you're going through. And your problem is just as great as this situation here. Because it's your problem. And God promised that he's going to take care of it. God promised that he's going to give you the victory. And yet now, has God gone before you? Have you allowed God to go before you? Because there's times when I want to go ahead of God. There's times I want to go and I'm way behind God. Lord, I want you to be there each step of the way. And so as the Ark of the Covenant followed ahead of them, man, they were, look, God is going to give us the victory. God is going to give us the victory. Now, there are times when I'm going through my trial, you're going through your trial, and, and watch this. Lord, I don't feel you. Lord, I don't sense you. Lord, you've abandoned me. And those thoughts are of the enemy. Because the Bible says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. That's a promise of God. You see, I don't walk by feelings. Be careful with that. I don't walk by emotions. The Bible says I walk by faith. Lord, I don't feel you right now. I don't sense your presence right now. The enemy's telling me you've abandoned me. The enemy's telling me you left. But Lord, I'm believing you by faith. You're there. Because you promised me. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. You see, God's faithfulness, church. God's faithfulness. Our place is to have faith, to listen, to obey, to be patient. And that's very difficult. Victory will come in his time. Our place is to pray. On the seventh day, uh, the seven priests uh, sounded the trumpet, the people shouted, and the walls came down. I can guarantee you, when those walls started coming down, those guys were ready. All the concepts of, is this thing going to happen? Maybe Joshua blew it. Maybe he didn't hear God correctly. And so we go through that. Maybe I didn't listen uh, directly to the voice of God. Maybe it's my emotion. Maybe it's my flesh. And you go through all that. But when the victory is being taken, when the wall's coming down, all of a sudden your faith is 100%. Talk about, you know, non-conventional. Lord, why do we have, we have to march seven days and then we have to shout, and then we have to trumpet, and, you know, just all these things. And maybe they weren't asking them, but they're inside their heart. And again, Isaiah 55, verse 8, my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. And then God uses a harlot there at Jericho by the name of Rahab. Now, oftentimes, I like to see the Hebrew names or even the Greek names. And a lot of times they apply to uh, the situation, uh, the ministry they're in. And so I looked up Rahab, and in the Hebrew, her name means broad or wide. 
I'm not going to sit here this morning. She was a broad woman, a wide woman. But this is what I saw. This was a woman that had broad faith. This was a woman that had wide faith. This was a woman of faith. She believed the two spies of God because she believed God by faith. She hid the spies, and the spies told her, Now, take a scarlet rope, a scarlet thread, outside of your window, by faith. God will protect you. And he did, church. I want you to think of Rahab the harlot. By faith, she believed God. She hid the spies. But if the king of Jericho find out, She's dead. Her family's dead. Through Rahab, God demonstrates his sovereignty. Not only Rahab, but her family, their faith. God was sovereign. He protected them. Uh, What about the grace of God? Rahab, uh, the harlot, and her family. God saves them, saves her. The grace of God in the Old Testament. And that's the only way we can come to faith. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, we are saved by grace through faith, not of works, lest a man or a woman should boast. And so think about the faith of this woman. Think about the faith of this woman. There was a harlot, a prostitute. That was her trade. By faith, she hung a scarlet red rope, a thread outside the window, a typology of the blood of Christ that covers... Look at her faith. Look at the effect of her faith. Now we just take the scenario, the faith that was distributed from Moses to Joshua to the Israelites, the army now, the two spies, and then now Rahab and her family. You see, faith is catching. And I look at faith. You look at faith. And then if we study God's word, he's building your faith. He's building my faith. And so by faith, okay, First of all, she hid the spies. She could have been caught, killed instantly, and her family. And then she dispenses the, uh, you know, the spies back to, to Joshua and now stick this thread out. Did anybody see the thread? I don't think so. I think that thread was for God. And then the armies, when they went, do not touch that house that has the thread on it. You see, in the Old Testament, you would go into a walled city And along the wall, inside of the wall, that's where your house is at. So right now where you're at, you look at that wall. Directly across from what you're seeing in this wall here in the sanctuary, that would be your home. On this side, the same thing. And that's where you presided. And Rahab takes that thread and places it outside the window. Now, who was in charge at Rahab's house? Was it her dad? Did she have a husband? I don't think so. Was it a great uncle? Somebody, a man would have been in charge. Could you just hear one of the nephews? And Rahab, why'd you put that rope outside the window? God's going to protect us. And all of a sudden, their faith is stirred up. You see, faith is what moves mountains. Faith is what moves lives. Faith is what brings us to saving grace. Now, don't forget this. We've shared it so many times. Jesus, he tells us, Have a measure of faith. I like that because I'll come to the conclusion, I don't have any faith today, Lord. Jesus says, have a measure of faith, and then he takes it further. Have childlike faith, and then I love this. He says, have mustard seed faith. And you all know that a mustard seed is very minute, very small. It's smaller than a BB. And so how do I gather faith? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. I get into the Word of God. And Joshua, obviously, had gotten into the Word of God. And Rahab, now what she's heard is enough to get her into the Word of God. Her faith. Why was she singled out amongst everybody that was in Jericho? Because God saw her faith. God sees your faith. That's why you've come to saving grace. God sees your faith. That's why you're here this morning. God sees faith. God doesn't look at the outward man. We're all different, but God sees the heart. Now, let's go on. We're developing further uh, in verse 32 now. And he's going to be speaking of the judges, not all of them, but he singles out a, a few judges. You know, in all reality, Deborah's not even included here. But yet, I believe she was part of it. Others that aren't even included here. 
But he begins here in verse 32. And what more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell you of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah. Also, and then he goes from the judges, King David, and then Samuel, the first prophet. And then he just includes all the prophets. And so we get this glimpse of hope here, of some of these faith movers. I mean, they were in tune with God. And yet we're going to see some of these that failed in their faith. And so don't be embarrassed this morning. There's times that I have such faith, and two weeks later, I might not have any faith again. But yet God's there. And that's the challenges that are part of our lives. I want you to write down uh, this uh, particular sequence of verses. Study it later. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 26 through 31. And basically, out of verse 32, I want to just caption it. Paul the Apostle says to the church at Corinth, God does not call the wise, nor the mighty, nor the noble, but God chooses, and we should fit in these two categories. He chooses the weak, and he chooses the foolish. Oh, and I thank the Lord. The weak that are weak in spirit, the foolish that are foolish in the spiritual things. God looks at our heart. God doesn't see the outward man, but he sees the heart of man. He saw Rahab's heart. Now, he begins to speak about Gideon, the judge here. Gideon's an interesting character. And basically, you can look up Gideon. We're just going to touch a few things on him. In Judges chapter 6, 7, and 8, we see the story of Gideon. But Gideon starts out with an army to come against the Midianites. He has 32,000. God takes those away. He takes away 22,000. And then he has 10,000. He takes those away, basically. And he leaves them with an army of 300. And by faith, he destroyed the Midianites. God gave him the victory. God delivered Israel from the oppression of the slavery. Yet we find Gideon, prior to that, his call, he's hiding in the threshing floor. And God uses Gideon. That's us. And I love these people of faith because we can find their failures and then we can identify with them. Now, no, notice Barak. Barak, we don't know much of, but we do know some. He overthrew Jabin, king of the Canaanites. He delivered Israel uh, from uh, being servants. God went before them. And yet much is not said about Barak, but yet God went before them. Now we come to Samson. We should all know Samson. We, we've heard the stories, and especially if you've been in the church for a long time, you hear the Sunday school stories. Samson, who was appointed by God to deliver Israel from the oppression, uh, the oppressive yoke of the Philistines, and by extraordinary, listen, feats of strength. He defeated them in various battles. And he thought, remember, my strength is in my hair. On your own, study Judges chapter 13 through 16. And yet he had major problems. Oh, he was strong. He took the gates of the city and carried them away. He took a jawbone of a donkey and killed a, a thousand Philistines. I mean, Samson is the guy you want around when there's going to be some action. But he failed miserably in another area. Samson married foreign women, and it basically, I believe, destroyed him. And then, in his foolishness, he thought that his strength was in his hair. And eventually, Samson's brought to that place of blindness. And then he has to trust God, and God gives him strength one more time. Now, here's another character, Jephthah. Jephthah. He's one of the judges. And you study him in Judges chapters 11 and 12. Uh, Jephthah, who under the same guidance, defeated the Ammonites, and he delivered Israel. Yet, if you study Jephthah, he made a foolish vow to sacrifice his daughter. He's going to go take this victory. He knows that God's going to give it to him. And he says, Lord, I'm going to give you a sacrifice when I get back. Now, listen to the foolish vow. Lord, when I come home, whoever comes out of my house first 
I will sacrifice them to you. What, what did he expect to be greeted with? A goat? A sheep? You know? A cow? A bull? What? The Bible says his daughter, his only daughter, his only child, she comes out with tambourines. Dad, the victory. And he tore his clothes. Because he wants to follow through with this foolish vow. Oh, church, be careful when we make a foolish vow. Some of the guys in the military, when they're out there, uh, you know, in the foxholes and such, and, you know, they make all kinds of promises. God, you get me out of this mess, and I will serve you. Get me out of this mess, and I will become a pastor of a church. And then God gets you out of the mess, and then you sit there and go, uh, Lord, uh, I really didn't mean it. Don't, don't make such foolish vows. Such foolish vows. Lord, I'm just going to trust you, and I am going to be so grateful, so thankful. Now, we'll get into that a little bit later, what happens to his daughter. Now, King David, he's the king of Israel, whose life was a life of faith, whose dependency was on God. He was known for his reign as king, writing many of the Psalms. But how many times when we read the Psalms, I love the Psalms. When I'm going through my pain, my hardship, I love to read the Psalms. Because I see David's plight in the Psalms. David's going through the fire, and he writes that in the Psalms. But at the end of the Psalm, he's coming out victorious, and he gives God the glory. And so I learn from the Psalms. But David was not without, you know, trial. Oh, he trusted God. He had hope in God. He had faith in God. In 1 Samuel chapter 17, he acted on faith and courage in his battle and victory over Goliath. I'll take that Philistine dog out. Nine feet tall, David. I don't care. In fact, David boasted. I've killed a lion. I've killed a bear. This guy's nothing. And so David had courage. He had faith. And then I read Psalm 51 later on in his life. It's a repentive psalm. David had committed adultery with Bathsheba, and then he took it a step further because she was with child, and he tries to remove the problem. David, you're the problem. He had Uriah, her husband, killed, and that way David could marry Bathsheba, and he did. But then Nathan the prophet came and busted David. You see, our sins will always be made known. Now we talk about Samuel. He was a judge and a prophet in Israel. But I want to talk about Samuel's mother, Hannah. Hannah was a woman of prayer. Hannah was a woman of faith. And she agonized because she couldn't have a child. Uh, her womb was closed. And she cried out to God, Lord, give me a child. Give me a child. And as the years went by, finally, Hannah got the message. And that is that God wanted her child. And so when Samuel was born, she dedicated him unto the Lord. And Samuel was taken in as a boy. And he learned that place of being a priest and then eventually a prophet. And Samuel was a judge. But the faith of Samuel, but what about the faith of Hannah, a woman of prayer, her faith. But Samuel's faith, succeeded by the kings of Israel whom Saul and David were the first two, Samuel anointed them. I want you on your own to study 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel. Now let me just caption this. For Gideon, look at his faith. It destroyed later altars of Baal, and he tore down the groves. Yet we find him in the threshing floor hiding from God. By faith, now here's Barak, uh, consisted in his believing the prophecies that were given by Deborah. Deborah gave the prophecy, and he, take, he took heed to the prophecy. And, and then there's the song of Deborah. We find it in Judges chapter 5. Now let's get back to Samson. Samson obeyed the Holy Spirit in the time of the Old Testament. He killed the Philistines, a thousand of them, as I mentioned earlier. But then he finds himself blinded. Where was his trust? 
Where was his trust in the Lord? Sometimes God has to knock us down in order to get a hold of us. Now we'll talk about some more, but look at verse 33 now. And again, these heroes of faith, who through faith, some of these subdued kingdoms, they worked righteousness. They obtained promises. And then we should all know this one, our brother Daniel, he stopped the mouths of lions. What we just studied, these men of faith, and we include Deborah. Look at the word subdued. I want you to write it down. In the Greek, they overcame. If we've come to Christ, we're an overcomer. Whatever the elements were out there in the world that attracted us, that had us, we've come to Christ now. We're overcomers in Christ Jesus. And how do I become an overcomer? But by faith. By faith in Christ, it starts with. And here's the concept of faith. We learn faith. What do you mean, Pastor Bob? Well, in Romans 10, 17, it tells us that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so we study the judges. We study 1 and 2 Samuel. We study 1 and 2 Kings, and you learn faith. Joshua and David overcame many nations, obtained promises and covenants. Moses received a covenant from God. And then the covenant came to Joshua and to Caleb. But I like this. Some of these by faith. They stopped the mouth of lions. Back in Daniel chapter 6, we know that Daniel was cast into the lion's den. A law was placed to trick, to get Daniel to go into the lion's den because Daniel was not going to stop praying. Daniel was going to continue to pray. But the king was coerced and he, and he signed this law. And the Bible says that the king had to go through with it. And Daniel says, King, don't worry. God will sustain me. And they put Daniel in the lion's den. And the Bible says that the lions never touched him. Oh, the king was frustrated. He loved Daniel. He was sorry that he had to write that law. But by law, he had to do it. He ran to the mouth of the cave, Daniel, Daniel. And Daniel says, don't worry, king, I'm here. Oh, the king was blown away. Get Daniel out of there. And they got Daniel out of there. He wasn't harmed at all. Oh, you have to love this. Because the critics will say, well, you know, the lions weren't hungry. And then another critic might say, well, you know, the lions don't like kosher food. <laughs> Whatever it might be, right? The Bible says that the king said, now throw those men that had me to write this law. You throw them in there. Scripture says it so beautifully. Go back and study it. They never hit the ground. They never hit the ground. The lions ate them up. Ate them up. I could just see when they were thrown over, you know, the lions had a bib on. They're ready. They're hungry. God went before Daniel. Beautiful picture, church. Now, uh, Samson, again, in Judges chapter 14, he has to slew a lion. Now, David, in 1 Samuel chapter 17, when he was getting ready to go up against Goliath, and he says, this Philistine dog is nothing to me. I have already killed a lion and a bear. I'll take him out too. And David does. The Bible says that David picks up five stones and that Goliath was dressed in his military garb. He was covered completely, but there was one spot between the eyes that was not covered with metal. David was a marksman when it came uh, to sling and a stone. And he hit Goliath right there. Then he cuts his head off with his own sword. Now the critics will ask you, well, then why did he need five stones? Well, if you've ever been in a gang fight or you've ever been rousted by a bunch of people, you take care of one, there's got to be a few brothers waiting. That's what I think. Anyway. Look at verse 34 now. Quench the violence of fire. Now, right away, you should think of Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. And some of these, by faith, they escaped the edge of the sword. Out of the weakness were made strong. They became valiant in battle. They turned to fight their armies of the aliens. 
Now, verse 34, again, we're kind of just capsulating, you know, all the Old Testament saints. There's so many more, but let me just give you some insight here. In Daniel chapter 3, we're told that Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego are cast into the fiery furnace, and they were bound. Remember that? They were bound, and they put them in there, and then they told them, heat up the furnace seven times more. In fact, they were so hot, those that were lighting up more the furnace, they burned to death. But then they were in there, and it says that the king was watching. Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego were bound and were cast in there, and they see them. Didn't we bind them? Yes, but they're loose now. And they're walking in the midst of the fiery furnace. And then they say, listen, didn't we put in three, but we see four. That fourth man is Jesus Christ. The Bible says he'll never leave us nor forsake us. No matter what battle you're going through, know this, that Jesus is with you. No matter what battle you're going through, Jesus is going to walk you through it. Oh, you might not feel him that day. You might not sense him, but he's there. I know this, you know this, by faith. And so that third man, that fourth man was Jesus Christ. Now, it says that some of them escaped the sword. David escaped Saul's sword, 1 Samuel chapter 18 and 1 Samuel chapter 19. Elijah, in 1 Kings chapter 19, he escaped Jezebel. (laughs) Elisha, in 2 Kings chapter 6, he escaped the sword from the Syrians. Now, I like this. And the weak, again, that fits us. He has made strong. God strengthens us when we're weak. Now, just a simple thing. Samson, after the battle, he was so parched and wore out. In Judges chapter 15, God gave him water to drink, and he was refreshed. He was made strong again. Now, I love this. You continue to follow Samson's plight, and finally, he thinks his his hair is his strength, and finally, he's captured. They cut his hair off, basically. They bind him, they take him in, and they take out his, his eyes with a heated rod, and he's blinded, and he has to trust God. He has to trust God, and he cries out to the Lord one more time, and God used them in a mighty way. And so sometimes we have to be broken men, broken women, in order for God to use us. Sometimes he has to chip away that old man, that old woman. There were those that were valiant in battle. In Judges chapter 4, now we get back to Barak. Deborah told Barak, God has given you your enemies. He's given them to you. And so he went with the prophecy. And then they wrote that song about Deborah and the victory in Christ. Hmm. And it says here, some of these by faith. They turned alien armies away. Gideon, that started out with 32,000 men and only had 300, uh, went before the Midianites. And God caused the havoc among the Midianites. And they fled. They fought amongst each other. Some of them were even committing suicide. They were just fearful. And then they fled. And the ones that fled, then the army of the 300 went after them. God gave them the victory. Even when the enemy tries to run away. God called, caused all of this to happen by faith. By faith. By faith. And so whatever we go through, uh, there's a faith factor involved. And we have to trust God. We're Christian. We have to lean upon God by faith. Now, ladies, look at verse 35. Women received their dead, raised to life again. How? By faith. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance. In other words, they were martyred that they might obtain a better resurrection. They believed. The Old Testament saints that had come to God, they believed, many of them, in the resurrection. Now, women received their dead. There's a beautiful story. 1 Kings chapter 17. Elijah... 
the prophet, lays on the widow's son three times and cried out to God. This same widow is the one that gave him the last portion of flour and oil, and then my son and I are going to die. She fed the prophet. And remember the story? The Bible says that her oil and her flour never was empty again. Now, God, I did this for you. Now my son is dead. But she knew where to go. She went to the prophet of God. Was this all a test? A lot of times what we're going through is a test. God's testing our faith. <laughs> now, Elisha, in 2 Kings chapter 4, he, he's put to the test. This Shunammite woman comes and says, my son is dead. And she wouldn't leave the prophet alone. And so Elisha goes, and the Bible says that he stretched out on this boy, and mouth to mouth, eye to eye, hands to hands, and Elisha stretched over the child. He became warm, and he lived. Such faith. Others were tortured. Speaks of various instruments used uh, for the torturing in the Old Testament. Uh, you read this uh, in, in the Maccabees, the book of Maccabees, it comes out, and then uh, uh, Josephus writes of this, and we don't have to go into it, but many were tortured to the point that many were martyred for their faith, believing God, but believing in the resurrection, that even if they died. Now, on your own, study Job chapter 33. It's believed that that's the oldest book in the Bible. Job believed God by faith that there would be a resurrection one day in his own life. Back in Genesis chapter 22, Abraham was asked to sacrifice Isaac. And Abraham knew that God never desired a human sacrifice. But even if Isaac died, Abraham believed in the resurrection. And so faith has so much to do with my life, my walk with God. And we learn from the Old Testament saints. Look at verse 36 now. Still others had trials of mocking and scourging, yes, and of chains and of imprisonment. We read so much of that in the New Testament, but be aware that it was part of the Old Testament. Samson was made sport of in the temple for Dagon there in Judges chapter 16. He's blinded now. And then he asked God, give me strength one more time. In Genesis chapter 39, Joseph was sold to slavery in Egypt by his brothers. And later falsely accused by Potiphar, his wife that is, and he was cast into prison. These are Christian. These are believers in the Old Testament. Jeremiah chapter 37, Jeremiah chapter 38, Jeremiah was placed in prison. Jeremiah oftentimes was beaten, cast into muddy cisterns, placed in stocks. This was a prophet of God. And so we're called uh, to the kingdom of God as Christians, and then we're called sometimes into ministry. <laughs> know this, you're going to go through trial. Know this, your faith is going to be tested. On your own, uh, study the parable. In Matthew chapter 13, the parable of the sower and the soil speaks of four hearts. Speaks of four uh, typical hearts. The seed was cast out. But at the conclusion, only one seed took. So many times the trials take us back to the enemy. Man, it was easier when I wasn't a Christian. But I tell you what, you're going to get through whatever you're going through. Because God gives you faith. God gives you strength. We have to trust him. Look at verse 37. Again, we read so much of this in the New Testament. Some of them were stoned to death. They were sawn in two, were tempted, were slain with the sword. Many of them wandered in the desert, basically, in sheepskin and goatskin, being destitute, afflicted, tormented. Now mark this verse down, 2 Chronicles, this chapter, chapter 24. Zechariah the priest said to King Joash and the people of Israel, Thus saith the Lord God, why do you transgress the commandments of the Lord 
so that you cannot prosper. Because you have forsaken the Lord, he also has forsaken you. So they conspired against him. And at the command of the king, they stoned Zechariah. Radical statement. He says, for they conspired against him. They stoned him with stones. And they're in the court of the house of the Lord. Now, tradition, this sawn in half. Tradition tells us that this was King Manasseh that had Isaiah, the prophet, placed into a log and then cut in two. Prophet of God. What about the sheepskin and the goatskin? I think this was the dress code for Elijah and Elisha, the prophet. Then I was thinking New Testament because it's not covering it here. But what about John the Baptist? Camel's hair? A diet of locusts and honey? I think when John the Baptist came around, you could smell him. Here comes John the Baptist. He was ripe. But he was a prophet of God. So many that went through this. Look at verse 38 now. Of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in the deserts, the mountains, the dens, the caves of the earth. 1 Kings chapter 18. Elijah ran from Jezebel. In 1 Samuel chapter 24, David hid in the caves and the wilderness of En Gedi. Saul came, listen, for King David, he wasn't the king yet, but King Saul came for David with 3,000 men. Wanted to kill David. He was envious. He was jealous. This young boy had such faith. Yet these men, the Bible says, were all men of faith. There was a time that Saul was a man of faith. The same thing happens to us sometimes. We're like Gideon. We're in that threshing floor hiding. We're like David. We're in En Gedi hiding in the, you know, in the caves. Because we lack faith sometimes. We don't like to admit it, but there's times that we're faithless. I'm reminded of the story in Genesis chapter 12. Now, Abraham and Sarah and Lot and, you know, the, the, uh, the other family members and some of the herds, they left Haran. And they were being called into uh, the land of promise. But remember, they went, they kind of took a side track, and they ended up in Egypt. And when they went to Egypt, Abraham was concerned. He knew that Sarah was a beautiful woman, his wife. And he says, if they come to you, because the pharaohs were notorious, they take what they want. If they come to you and they ask you, are you, you know, my wife, don't tell them that. Tell them you're my sister, because then they'll kill me. He wasn't concerned of Sarah. He was concerned of himself. And yet later on, you read about Sarah and Abraham. The Bible says that Sarah called him Lord. I don't think I would have called him Lord if he would have sold me out like that. But this was the love that she had. That's a beautiful picture here. <laughs> Abraham, the Bible says that he was a friend of God and he had such faith, but he had lapses of faith. And church, that's good for us because I can identify. There's times my faith is up there, and there's other times, where's my faith? What happened, Lord? I'm not trusting you. I want to give you two passages, and I'm going to read them to you. In Matthew chapter 8, verses 23 through 27, the disciples are with Jesus in a boat, and they go out into the water, and then the, the tempest raises. There's a storm, and everything was great until Jesus fell asleep. And then they say, we should wake him. The, the storm is kicking. And so in Matthew 8, in verse 26, he said to them, why are you so fearful? He says, you of little faith. Oh, how many times the Holy Spirit whispers that to me. Oh, you of little faith. So then Jesus arose and he rebuked the winds and the sea. And there was a great calm. But Jesus was with them. How come they lacked faith? Jesus is with you. He's with me. Why is it when we lack 
faith. Here's another passage in Matthew 14, verses 31 through 32. It's about Peter this time. And again, Jesus is with the disciples in the boat. But this time, Jesus steps out of the boat, and he walks on water. And then <laughs> Peter, typical Peter, Lord, what about me? Well, come on out. The Bible says that Peter walks on water. But then it says in verse, uh, I believe it's verse 32, he says, Immediately Jesus stretched out his hand, and he caught him, speaking of Peter, and he said to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? <laughs> oh, Peter. We laugh. I laugh. Peter's just like me. Peter's just like you. And Jesus reached over, and he took him out of the water. Now, Peter was doing good. Now, I want you to pay attention. As long as Peter had his eyes on the Lord, he was able to accomplish. As long as you have your eyes on Jesus, you're able to accomplish. But the moment you take your eyes off the Lord, you're going to sink like Peter. I think Peter was walking on the water looking at the Lord, and then he heard the guys, ooh, ah, and Peter looks over. Hey, I didn't like that, man. Boom. Jesus has to pick him up out of the water. Oh, you of little faith, Peter, why did you doubt? <laughs> and they all got back into the boat, and the winds ceased. Peter took his eyes off the Lord. Men and women of faith are supposed to please God. The Bible says that Enoch pleased God, Genesis 5, and God took him. So many times when a man and a woman are pleasing to God, listen, you're displeasing to the world. The world doesn't like you. And the world doesn't want you to have that faith in God. And so the world will even challenge us. But these are men and women, again, of such faith. Look at, we're coming to the conclusion. Look at verse 39. And all these having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise. Here we're reading, picking up tidbits from Old Testament saints, from literally the book of Genesis to the book of Malachi, uh, 39 books, but they never, they never got the promise of Messiah. Oh, the promise was there. But what about us now? Here we are 2,000 years since Messiah has come. We have the promise. We have received the promise. But how did they believe? The Bible says that Abraham believed God by faith. How do we come to Christ? We believe Christ by faith. It takes faith, church. Now, first advent of Christ has already taken place. We're assured of that. I don't have a problem in believing in the first advent of Christ. Now, those that died in the Old Testament... They know that the first advent of Christ already took place. They're with the Lord now. But what about the second advent? Do we believe in the second advent of Christ? You see, right now, there are no direct prophecies that have to be accomplished other than, I believe, the next prophetic prophecy is the rapture of the church. That's amazing. I believe that the prophecies have been complete. Are we under God's grace? We're always under God's grace. He could come at any moment. But if the rapture of the church has not taken place, we know it's going to happen by faith. We find it in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18. It speaks of the rapture, the great harpazzle. Now, when the rapture of the church takes place, there has to be a seven years of tribulation. And at the conclusion of the seven years of tribulation will be the second advent of Christ, the second coming of Christ. And the Bible says, every eye shall see him. Every eye shall see him. <laughs> They're going to know, church. Old Testament saints, even though they went through their trials, they had a lot of faith. What about Isaiah? He's writing about the first advent of Christ. He's writing about, you know, the, the crucifixion of Christ and then his resurrection. Such faith. Yet he had no concept when and where. But he wrote it by faith. Now the conclusion, look at verse 40. 
God having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. Now, I want you to imagine this. The Old Testament saints, these heroes of faith, did not receive the promise of Messiah as we have already received the promise. Then our relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ, allows us personal access to the throne of God's grace. Through Jesus Christ, the righteous one, the holy one, we have access to the holy of holies. As we've been studying the book of Hebrews, we don't have to wait for that day of atonement. Now, the Old Testament saints will be complete, made perfect, as we will be made complete, and one day we will all stand before Messiah, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, Old Testament saints have acquired that. We're still waiting. I want to end with this. Turn with me to the Gospel of John, chapter 14. These are the words of Christ. But as you're moving there, and we're going to wait for everybody to get there, I want you to see this morning how faith is so part of my life, part of your life. How faith has been a part, even when I wasn't in Christ, God's faith was working and drawing me closer. God's faith was made known to me, known to you. And then when we come to Christ, how that faith moves in and through us. And then again, I want more faith. You want more faith? Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Watch what God's going to do in the faith factor of your life. In John 14, look at verses 1 through 6. These are the words of Christ. Jesus says to his disciples, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, and here's the second coming, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know, then Thomas pipes in. Thomas says to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going, and how can we know the way? Isn't that typical? We can say, oh, Thomas, come on, knock it off. That's us. That's us. And so Jesus says, he gives us that blanket statement. In verse 6, Jesus said to, to him, Thomas, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Now, the rest of the disciples heard that. And we've been hearing it for the last 2,000 years. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through Christ. We must go through the cross. We must go through the cross. Uh, one of the ladies in the first service, she just got back. She took a trip to Egypt, and uh, she spent some time there. And she said uh, uh, the Muslims were everywhere, obviously. And she was surprised. At various stations, the Muslims would give her, you know, a track. Come to the Muslim faith. And then she would tell them, well, I believe in Jesus. And they say, well, so do I. But see, they believe Jesus is one of the prophets. We just read in Scripture, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man gets to the Father but through me. You want to get to my Father the heavenly Father, you have to go through me. Our religion can't save you. Our water baptism can't save you. Maybe your name is in a ledger in a church, and we can boast of it. But the only one that can save you, Calvary Chapel can't save you, Pastor Bob. The only one that can save you is Jesus Christ. He paid the price for you. And we have to believe that, listen, by faith. By faith. Let's all stand. We'll end with a word of prayer. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your grace and your love and your mercy. Lord, this Hebrews chapter 11, such a powerful chapter when it comes uh, to faith. These heroes of faith. We know that they were all sinners saved by grace uh, through faith, and they come to saving grace. And, Lord, I love uh, the lapses of faith because we learn from it. I'm sure it wasn't 
easy for them to go through them, but, Lord, we learn from their examples. We glean from their errors, and we glean from their, their victories. And so, Father, bless your people here this morning. I always like to give that opportunity. I don't want to leave here. I don't want you to leave here without that opportunity. Maybe you're here this morning, and you still haven't come to Christ by faith. I want to give you that opportunity. If that's you this morning, you know the Holy Spirit's spoken to you. You need to come to Saving Grace. I'm not going to ask you to come up, but right there where you're at, I'll say a simple prayer of faith. If that's you this morning, you'd like to come to Christ by faith, receive Him as Lord and Savior, indicate by raising your hand, and I'll pray for you. Anybody here this morning would like to receive Christ? Raise your hand real quick. Anybody, I look around. Praise the Lord Then we're all Christian. Let's pray. Father, I thank you, Lord, for the body of Christ. I like to make the invitation. We never know. And, Lord, we know that we've come to you by faith, that measure of faith, that uh, simplicity of faith, faith like a child, like a mustard seed, but we come by faith. And so, Father, bless those that have come to saving grace and those that are being encouraged to build up their faith. Lord, you build up our faith. And as we study your word, we know that our faith is challenged. We know that our faith is built up. Father, bless your beautiful people as they've come this morning to receive from you. Father, bless the offerings. As you've given to us, we give back a portion. And Father, we thank you, we praise you, and we worship you, Lord. It is you that we love, and it's you that we worship. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.